Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift Podcast. You're joined by me, Ryan, and also Lenny and John, where we talk all things motorsports and cars. This week, we're talking all things Japan, which seems to be a theme on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So we, we talk about Japan a lot, but this time it's almost specific to the Japanese Grand Prix, which was drama-filled as per usual. Always nice to see. Oh, yes. It was <sighs> It was riveting at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning CST. Uh, <laughs> that was rough. Uh, great thing Singapore being a night race is at least makes it somewhat normal. It was funny to watch the Europeans complain about the time zones, and it's just like, I, I don't want to hear it, man. <laughs> yeah, where's the I had, racing though <laughs> yeah, right. i had trouble i had trouble staying up for the whole race i think i watched the the checkered flag in bed on my phone <laughs> yeah i was half so i like was half awake watching the race and then woke up in the morning and then watched it again from basically the actual race starting um so for those that aren't in the know, there was a massive rain delay, and this pretty much starts all the drama, because uh, rain and racing are amazing to go hand in hand. Um, but we just saw uh, the race before this at Singapore was also a wet race, and there's been a lot of discussion about how worthless the Pirelli wet tires are, and like, what's the point of these tires? The intermediates are so much better. Um, why do we even have these if we can't use them for wet racing? Um and so there was oh, it's 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 not so much that you can't use them for wet racing it's just that the performance degradation of the tire compared to the intermediate is just so crazy um that it's almost not even worth it like they they were trying to say basically is that the cars would be so slow it wouldn't be entertaining to watch right it would just be like seeing 100 cc go-karts going around Suzuka for an hour i mean that'd be or something like that so okay hold on you're telling me i can see 100 cc f1 cars go around suzuka or i can listen to commentators and just watch the rain and try to stay awake at one o'clock in the morning dude i'm gonna go ahead with the former not not the latter here okay because there's at least some form of racing going on now they so it's wet out still it's just been raining there's been rain delay we get started finally and we start on intermediates uh right out the gate uh, turn one, uh, going into it in the overtaking, Leclerc gets a better start, and then Max somehow overtakes him in turn one, which is insane. And really, once I, I before we get started on the actual GP, I want to talk about how we all raced uh, and on our Discord at Zero Lift, which you can get access to that on our Instagram or podcast. We actually do like F1 times. We're racing the races up to the race. Um Sector one, turn one is so hard by yourself in time trial, let alone overtaking a dude on intermediates. It's just insane. I watched that yeah. happen after racing this whole week on the sim, and Lenny, you were doing the same, John. Uh, how? Just mind blown. Uh, it's a it's turn. a lot of it's a lot of no lift and no break. Turn one makes my head hurt, like more than any other section on that track. Just turn one alone, not even the S's, just turn one. Yeah, um, I think turn one's one of those turns where, like, most people probably have, a, like, if there's time left on the track, it's in that turn. And um, hmm. I think it's really hard, at least for me, trying to drive it. And so full disclosure, I'm doing Assetto Corsa with the RSS F1 2022 mod, right? Um, it's so hard to figure out what speed to carry into that because it's a, it's like a 90 degree right, but it's kind of sweeping and then it turns into like an almost hairpin right. Mm -hmm. And it's so difficult to judge. Like I could almost take it flat out, but then I don't have enough room to break for the second part of the turn that's where all your time is you should be taking it flat out well mm -hmm, so you're turning mm -hmm. in you're turning in you should be turning in flat out and then it's the problem is is finding the breaking point and you have to base the breaking point basically off the right curb and then downshift to fourth and should be able to swing that out now i watched lenny's and i's lines because 
with F122, you can now, they just introduced race nets. So you can actually go in and see telemetry data, race lines, people. Yep. And that's so the line. What did you think about my line? It, it's nice. Um, <laughs> the line I was taking was actually pretty similar to like a classic, like Senna's published line mm -hmm. where he actually would decelerate and downshift a gear into that first turn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do that sometimes as well depending i used to do I that and then i experimented with that for hours and i just couldn't what i found is like the amount of threshold breaking i had to do in the second part of the turn if i didn't come off at all mm. actually made me slower through that turn actually yeah. I, well, I mean, I i'm watching you, us you gotta come off come off that turn off the throttle on the turn into, into turn one to the breaking the breaking point to make that that super tight right. Lenny, our line in turn one is mm -hmm. damn near exactly the same. You, you what just, gear are you in, though? Fourth. You downshift to fourth. I downshift into fourth. So do I. We're in... Yeah. I, you literally... The only reason you're faster through that than me by any margin is because you got it just slightly tighter on the steering. That's it. I had a little bit of... A little bit of control issue on it. The, the tight right? Yeah. A little flick right? Yep. Our, our, our line is exactly the same into it. And that's the that's the line I that I got that from was Vettel. Vettel did that line because I watched a good lap versus great lap from 2019. And Seb is a little bit faster than Leclerc back then in Ferrari. And it's exactly the same line. You watch Verstappen's qualifying lap. It's pretty much the same line. But the problem is finding and consistently when you're running running TTs, like getting the breaking point on that and then downshifting and turning in because there's no markers, right? And you're doing it. You're literally doing it at max. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. it's so hard to consistently nail that. And then if you don't get that nailed, then you're not setting yourself up for the S's. And then you're all off and bleh, there goes the lap. You guys, you guys are going down yeah. into fourth for that, huh? Yeah, it's fourth. Yeah. And then, I was yeah, doing it's the, it's the it's the only way I was making that turn. Yeah, you especially and and that's another thing to I have to say about the, this F one twenty two game is that the way the car and the traction control or the if you turn it off feels like it's totally different and it's not different in a good way. I think uh, it, it's made the car very unstable and undrivable. Uh, on controller i don't know how it is with you guys on the sim but like you got ryan likes to to joke and kid about you know me having an advantage on the controller but i gotta say this past week racing on suzuka i was at the limits of the controller the entire uh, i couldn't make a mistake because of the the narrowness for the margin of error i would agree with that and so like lenny beat me by what point five right? It was close. I mean, we, we battled all week, dude. It was a great battle. And I got to the point where I was trying to beat you and it was, it was a matter of controlling it, but it was also the setup of the car. I ran through so many different types of setups to try to figure out where, cause that's where the time was. I, I knew what I needed to do with the car and I could probably, I was getting a couple, uh, tenths in, especially in turn one, but then consistently through the lap, I was losing time due to setup. So I was just like trying to find setups for the last six hours I spent on it trying to beat you mm -hmm. to get, it wasn't anything about how I was driving. I had the, I had the, uh, gears dialed in. Like for example, turn 11, I used to take that in first gear. It's actually a th second or third gear turn. Um, you know, it, mm -hmm. I had everything dialed in there. It was like, I, I, it was the setup on the car and the feel of it, even on the sim side more than it was my inability to like get time out of the, out of the car, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you so, made a comment earlier in the week about uh, some of my lines being ugly or, or I'm sure you saw like all of a sudden I would just like twitch the left to the right. Yeah. That was not like me not having control over the car. That's that's the controller being at its limit and my thumb only being able to do so much in <laughs> yeah. that moment. Yeah. And your telemetry right. data on your braking, it's it's not like a, there's no smooth and same with the Excel. It's not as smooth. It's just like full blap, full blap. It's just squares, dude. <laughs> well, yeah, it's either on or it's off. Yeah, yeah for it's, sure. It's nuts. So props on you for the controller um, for figuring out how to make that work and, and getting a victory this week.
and I'm, yeah, I still had some time. I think I could have pulled in like a 131 if I if I like just nailed everything. But like yeah. the amount of focus and like my thumbs are <laughs> a little raw. I think I have a if I continued, I would have a blister. <laughs> yeah, my my uh, my legs are shot. I was cramping because it's just so much. So it was fun. It was a good challenge. We've got Coda coming up in two weeks. Um, John, what place did you end up getting this week? Oh, I was last. So, I, and I'll, I'll talk to you about it, uh, which I earned my last place, like 100%. Um, I was struggling. So, my first round trying to, uh, first round trying to set a time was um, I was having some issues with my gear shift. It, there's something about the settings in Assetto Corsa mm-hmm. where, um, Excuse me. Something about the settings in a set of Corsa where, like, if you have other buttons bound to shift gears, it makes the gear shift more sluggish. It actually took me a couple. Yeah, dude. What? So, like, when I would, yeah. So, like, when I would come into, uh, like, especially the S's right before the main straight. Yeah. Um, I was like breaking. You know, I take those in second, and I was breaking to the appropriate speed, and like still in fourth or fifth gear, and just being like, "Come on, dude! Click, click, click." Oh, you're talking and, uh, uh, the last the chicane, the the casino triangle. Sorry, yes, the chicane. I said the S's. The S's is the midsection. Yeah, uh, yeah, the crazy chicane, the, which the one you need to downshift chicane. fast to. Yeah, the one you have to downshift fast to. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you're at like the top of eighth, mm-hmm. and going into it is like bah, 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 bah. and like I would decelerate, be through the apex of the first chicane, and still be in fourth gear because. The gears weren't shifting and it took me a, yeah so the best i got that first round i didn't even tell anybody but the best i got was like a 140 um yikes <clears throat> fixed the shifting issue and then also my set of course was set up to be like gangster gangster so i had full damage starting off on cold tires <laughs> and so for hours for hours it would take me two laps to get my tires up to temp and then if i clipped a wall i had to start all over so once i figured out i just i hadn't uh i've been playing automobilista it's a different game yeah you know and and so i was just i hadn't played a seto in a while i wasn't used to it i downloaded f1 track pack i downloaded f1 cars everything set up i just had some hiccups to get out and once i figured out okay tire warmers sweet okay i'm gonna shut off mechanical damage while i'm learning the track yeah so i just don't have to like start my session over blah, blah 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 i fixed the shifting thing now it shifts just crisp and beautiful good then i was able to get to like a 136 Ooh. and which is still like four seconds off you guys um i was just like i'm at that point because i don't know i'm in vr and the wheels beast and my brake pedal is really stiff and i was just sweating my ass off oh yeah i was like i'm done I'm done. I lost. <laughs> um, um, but all those hiccups are out. I'm hoping to put up a better showing here. And I didn't even I didn't even get to the point where I was looking at telemetry or a lap tracker or people's different lines. I was just kind of figuring it out. And yeah. My line is very, very in terms of granite sin I had six gears and I have eight, but my shift points and like my line is very similar to that Senna drawing. Like it's almost on and i wasn't trying to do that i just looked at it, i was like huh that's how i'm approaching all these corners um <laughs> yeah it's a great drawing i found so which i've seen that before i think that that's kind of a famous oh picture yeah 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 of, I'd, uh, I'd put that on the track wall. notes i would put that on the wall yeah 100 i think for me it was really this track is such a great and challenging track i think it's why racers love it really it's a driver's circuit i mean this is i wouldn't say it's the hardest it's not a street circuit it's not singapore which is just like terrible and it's fun but also terrible or like monaco which is hard and terrible this actually has like sections that are cool (laughs) like yeah you know what i mean it's it's like an intermediate hard not like this is terrible and if you miss you're into a wall at least there's some like runoff here to play around with and i like that a lot very little though I think Monaco is actually easier to wrap your head around to learn the track and like what line you're supposed yeah. to take and what gear you're supposed to be in and whatever. Um, it's hard because yeah, there's zero runoff and it's tight and all that, but I think it's 
it's pretty standard. Like you run around Monaco two, three times. You're like, okay, this is how I'm supposed it's to take it. It's a different headspace. Yeah. Because Monaco is still though, dude. walls right next to you the whole time. And you're going yeah. through the, you're going through the swimming pool and you're like, ah, whereas like, if I'm going through 130R, I'm not like, ah, you know, once you learn, you can take that at eight in eighth gear and in full throttle and you know to pitch it and you're fine you're fine whereas every time i go through swimming pools i am shitting bricks every time i go through swimming pools whether i know how to do it or not but the thing about suzuka is you could spend hours with that track and still be like i have no idea what the ideal line is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. it's a gorgeous spoon <laughs> how do you take spoon spoon corner again i have five, no idea still i'm five, still trying to figure that five out five and and so there's it, that's exactly it though so spoon's cool because spoon is like t1 but it's like a little bit more open and like you're like downshifting into fifth gear and then you're gonna be turning in and then you have to either feather brake to fourth or coast to fourth and then getting back on the acceleration so you don't spin out and then like yeah i get it it's nah homie see like i i got a lot of success uh staying in fifth gear the whole way through uh and powering through the the second apex kind of cutting it cutting it uh high into the into the second apex and then being able to kind of just over almost over rotate the car into the curbs and like have a straight line uh down sounds down like some controller runoff. magic that's what it sounds like to me yeah it might be. for me for me i did the first half and fifth and then I found that I was faster going into fourth for the second half because I got a better drive out. Yep. I could do it in yep. fifth, <laughs> but the amount of corner speed I carried actually hurt my exit. Yep. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm off go, your time. Going so. in, the, I'm close. I'm taking spoon corner super wide. Like it's almost uh, beyond the, the limits of the track. Like it's at track limits hmm. wide in it, it, through the first apex into the second half. Like really almost off the track really i don't know how the game allows me to do it to be honest so that's, maybe it's a maybe it's an exploit i found i don't know i mean i think that's it every single turn and section on this track has that level of thinking to it like yeah coming out of the s's into dunlop okay how do you do that and then You've got design. Uh, what is it, Degner or whatever? Yeah, Degner. Degner, dude. Degner is <laughs> yeah, a. I spun out so many times because if you hit <laughs> too much on the curb on the left, right as you're going underneath the bridge, weep, weep, every like, and and like, yeah, you can take it outright at seven, but coming out of Dunlop, you're pretty much at max speed, so you almost have to blip the brakes down to seven, turn it in, and then where's your braking point? There's and it, ah, every turn on the absolutely yeah, like this. it's sixth you're you're running on the run up into dunlop hill you're in sixth gear seventh gear then you're either just off the throttle or you take you finish flick it right and with a little bit of break in between uh, then into that turn your heavy break downshift downshift into third uh, then another finish flick and you're almost the the middle of the car is almost on the dirt and on the right your right front tire should be off the ground you're almost. Doing and so like you're, you're you're taking <laughs> oh, yeah. you're taking interesting uh that turn like sideways. That, okay, so I'm not doing finish flicks. I've got at least point five right there. I, I can definitely get a couple tenths on you. If I start I will say I don't know if I you're able say, to do it on sim, but you know, controllers doable. Uh, Lenny, to your point about the controller and like how touchy it is, um I will say that like the car in a seto feels incredible and i can definitely like scorch the brakes or drift out of a corner it like behaves correct like the way i think it should mm -hmm. if that makes sense mm -hmm. so that was one of my big complaints with the f1 the ea f1 games is that you will just like sometimes i feel like the car decides to spin out yeah like, there's corners where like if i touch the gas no matter how little Interesting. If I just touch it, the car just immediately I, spins. I had that problem a Absolutely. lot for the casino as well at the end, the last chicane, because the casino triangle, for me, coming out of that to the last curve, it was so hard to figure out when to put power down coming out either in second or third gear, how to like get that curve, get power somehow, and not spin out. It was it was really difficult for me. The yeah, see, the nice thing about a Seto is that for Casino in the last curve, 
I drift in second coming out of casino and I drifted a little bit in third coming around last curve. And it's just like, no big deal. A little, little bit of counter steer. Yeah. And, and we're back on, on track. Like, Ty, you're already in third coming out of that. I'm, I'm still in second. I'm in second through casino, but as soon as I'm out of casino, I'm rolling on the gas. And as last curve gets groovy, I'm in third and fourth. I, I'm I, in DRS and third yeah, or sixth. A, a lot later in the I gears. take casino. In, Interesting. I have actually started taking casino in third. Really? Yeah, because Vettel did it. And so I tried it. And it's tricky to learn it. But if you watch how Vettel does it versus most, he doesn't eat both of the curbs. He actually misses the first curb. Interesting. And, and then sets him up to go over the other curb, but then you're in third. And I I wanted to try that because I kept having so many problems where I'd be in second and I'm trying to get the power down while turning. And it was like spin. And I'm like, great. So it was frustrating. And I was like, screw it. I'll try it in third. So I had a little bit of success there. Um, yeah. I mean, this is just a, a this has got to be like easily top three tracks. That's why I love it so much. It's my yeah. warm up. So hard. <laughs> I don't know if I but use it as a warm up. So, so you're you're clearly a masochist for using this as a warm up. But well, I mean, think of it this way: like if you use Suzuka as a warm up, every almost any other track would feel almost easy, right? Comparatively speaking, and he is like the speed. epitome, of like the military train. How you fight? Yeah, just punch him, <laughs> punch yourself in the skull a couple times. It'll be all right. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> I think yeah, I mean you don't Coda put yourself is also through the ringer. Are you really doing it? Man. Coda is also a very difficult track, but I, I actually sure. think it's a little bit easier than Suzuka. Coda is like that's... the modern day Suzuka though, because it's got a lot of like it's still like a lot of the same ideas from Suzuka, it's Turkey, it's got a lot of those kind of things because it's it, it was built so much later than all of these other courses. Um and Suzuka was also designed by the same guy that did uh the Hunguro ring, if I remember correctly. Didn't know that. Um, I meant to look that up. Okay, but anyway, we should talk about the yeah. race. Coda's next week. There was an actual race, even though it was delayed. I, I have to say, I think, and and this has been talked about about Suzuka in particular. Uh, how late in the day that they start the race mm -hmm. has been an issue before in past years because. Suzuka always rains. Like you go to Japan in October, it's gonna rain, folks. Like it's gonna be a wet day. Um, and then also with you know the winding down in the day, the day in the light, uh, there's not a lot. And so by four thirty five o'clock, it's starting to get a little dark. And so maybe, and this is where there have been talk before about holding the race a little earlier in the day. I mean, yes, it wouldn't be at six o'clock GMT or whatever in Europe, uh, as as it usually is, um, but it would probably prevent us fighting us. I say the FIA and F1 Liberty Media fighting daylight <laughs> in the event of you know bad weather, which is almost haku percento, yeah. if I would say it in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hundred percent for those of you. Yeah, I think it's on. Following along at home. Also, at Zambadort, he was Dutch. I just wanted to clarify: the guy who designed the circuit is also the one who designed Zambadort. Dutch designer. Um, so you think that? Or maybe they shouldn't have started the race at all. I don't know. There's two two oh. houses there. Oh man, I think that they did a great job of starting the race. So right out of the gate, though, we start on intermediates, which you can't see anything. I just. You can't see anything. These cars can displace so much water. Just it's 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 so much water. You can't see anything. Uh, we have some of the greatest overtaking off of the start finish, um, and then we have a, There's a lot going on. It, dude, it is even because you have to realize that between the start finish and basically just past the hairpin into coming into turn sp uh, spoon, which is 12, um, just insanity before we have an accident. Yeah. Which gets us into the first main I, talking point here. I just, I, I just want to make a quick note here about the, the start Lance stroll. That's exactly probably the best start of his career. The Holy best Canadian start ever. Actually. Uh, oh, okay. the, the best Canadian start. <laughs> ever by Lance Stroll. 
Uh, absolutely. <laughs> fun fact. But I looked up all the fun facts, man. Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> he was amazing off the gate. So what do you do? What do you do? Just, just state the facts. Uh, let's see. He went from, I don't, I don't remember where he went from. He like overtook like eight people or something like that. It was ridiculous. Okay, so he goes up like eight, like a million places. Yeah, so he just went up a huge places, um, kept it going and everything like that, going into the accident and the yellow flag and all of that sort of incidents. So it, it was just really cool to watch. You've got Alonzo and uh, Vettel bumping where Alonzo kind of squeezed Vettel out of the way a little bit. Like we already mentioned, we, we've got... Eh, yeah, exactly. The visibility is so poor. You've got, I, I, would, I, would, I would say Vettel bumped Alonzo there yeah. because he aquaplaned. He didn't have any sort of right. traction or control over that vehicle. You also have... Again, Crazy. We said at the start here, uh, Verstappen essentially overtaking or keeping place uh, side by side into turn one with Leclerc. Um, yeah, it's just a whole lot going on. Sykes went out in the first. Yes, so that's uh, first lap. He did so science, and that's really where everything starts kind of getting wacky. So not only did we, because we had to, we had a rain delay to start. Correct? No, did we just start on engine? No, we, so we started on inters. Yeah, so we didn't have a running delay like on, we at, did at the Singapore. race part. Yeah, we didn't. Have, so it, it right. started on time. Uh, we started on time, but we started inters. We have an accident on turn twelve, and it was terrifying because he bounced basically. He hit so hard that he bounced back into the track. So like the front nose of his wheel was on the track in absolutely yeah. horrible visible conditions. I think there's a quote somewhere out there. Science basically saying, "I had my." hands off the wheel and it's just God, it's up to God. Like, just like, <laughs> like don't, I don't know what's happened. It's in, it's God's hands, whatever. And, uh, it is Let's hope that God is also a smooth operator. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, <laughs> right. That's <clears throat> a great question. And, uh, um, very terrifying to watch the cars come past. I mean, it was like yeah, six well, cars. I mean, Lewis yeah, almost hit it. Was it. Tight. it was crazy. <clears throat> Well, what had happened and was... You had the barrier truck freaking hold on. come out. That's where we're going. So the barrier came out, which was picked up by Pierre Gasly. And so we're still yellow flagged at this point. We also have Albon. What, is that, what does that mean for the, for the audience? Uh, yellow flag? Barrier, you said the barrier came out that was picked up by Pierre Gasly. What do you mean? It, it, was, it was like an advertise. It was yeah, like the, the advertisement Rolex, the cover, like aluminum aluminum ad board yeah. that's on like on the side of the barrier so like not the barrier actual but like the, the sheet metal the like ad ad sheet metal poster got got came off his car on the track it was on the track and got scooped up by the wing yeah picked up by the wing of Pierre gasly's car and so it was yellow flagged at this point and then we also have alex albon i don't remember where we're on the track i think it was after it's just after car. this is just happened spoon yeah on yeah, the run up so, so albon one. albon was after spoon he had a gearbox failure so we've got two cars out within the first lap yellow flags pierre gasly goes into the pits to remove said debris from the front of his car um and then comes back out of the back of the pack also replaces front wing yes well because it got damaged removed fix the issue remove ring put ring anyways <laughs> and so he gets back onto the track and is coming again up through the hairpin um, and we go from a yellow flag to a red flag of which uh-huh. he is getting fined for. There's a crane out on the track at this point. These cranes, by the way, don't have any sort of running board lights. There's no visibility on them. And there's a picture of a guy literally on the track, kind of in front of this nose, pulling it back with the crane as, as Gasly comes through, uh, terrible. Hold on. There's a lot, there's a lot to be said here. Yes. It's a lot, a lot to be said here. A lot. Uh, a lot. So, so they're under safety car at this time, right? Double yellows out. Correct. They're under safety car. Gas, the safety car comes out. Gasly is so far behind everybody because he's coming out of the pits because he's uh, replaced his front wing from the ad thing. And he has to catch up. Okay. And so, like, the part of the track that he was at to catch up on wasn't double yellow flags i mean he knew that he should be slowing down or prepared to slow down coming up into that sector um which he did but i don't think he did in uh fast enough is where where he's getting fined at okay uh, then 
as he's coming up to the tractor, I don't know uh, what exact turn it was, and I hope it wasn't on the exact turns Jewel Bianchi uh, had his accident because that would be really, I think it's close. really weird. Yeah, that's that's oof. Um, but at like almost within the, the same second millisecond of him coming up to this tractor, the red flag comes out, and so like there wasn't at least that's what it shows on his steering wheel that the, we had enough time with the rain delay or the the red flag to restart the race that we saw the replay a lot. The red flag indicator on his steering wheel, Pierre Gasly's steering wheel, just illuminated like as he's coming up to the tractor. So the tractor's already on the track as F1 cars are still on it. And he was trying to catch up to the safety car, which is why he was going at the speed he was to get fined. And so like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of miscommunication, I think. Um, but I think it absolutely needs to be looked into by the FIA. Uh, why that tractor was on the on the track, collecting up Carlos's car so quickly while other F1 cars are still going around it. Well, that's the issue. Here's the thing. that That's not entirely the issue. Because if you look at, and this has been talked about, we're in Monza, Ricardo, under safety car. The tractor's there. And... <laughs> The tractor is there as cars are going by. A big part of it is visibility issues and communication, right? And it's communication between the FIA, the race directors, and the marshals, right? That's that's the issue. We, we, same with where we had time having to get the tractor in Monza to get over there and remove it, and we ended under safety car, and everybody's upset about that. You've got the whole thing of the tractor coming out under yellow makes sense. They should have red flagged it faster, and it should have been communicated across the board sooner. I think that's where in the issue lies of like, Hey, Pierre, there's a tractor on the, you know, why, why is not the, their communication to Pierre? Hey, you're coming up on T11 and there's a tractor out. Why does everybody not know where that tractor is? There should be boarding lights on it. Why is there not some sort of like, we have blips where the fucking cars are. Why don't we have blips where the tractors are? You know what I mean? Like that sort of shit is not that hard to implement. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Cause you know, I've done a fair bit of motorcycle tracking and I have spent, I share of time on the back of a recovery truck. So, uh, <laughs> um, it happens when you go down, right? Mm-hmm. They flag you. Truck doesn't make a move on the track until either a everybody's lapped by or B you're under some form of positive control, whether like everybody's been double yellowed or red flagged or safety card or whatever, like, the fact that like the truck being there, whatever, but like the truck was like actually in the track limits and everybody but right. Gasly had passed by. That's fucked up. Yeah. That's not on Gasly. Like like maybe Gasly was going too fast, but like that truck should not have been on track limits prior to Gasly going by. And so now you have the entire grid has passed the hazard and is getting under control. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like there's no reason that tractor should have crossed track limits prior to Gasly go- going by that. So it's a lot of communication mm-hmm. on both sides of the issue. Yeah. Alvatari should have communicated. FIA should have communicated. Yeah. And the red flag, <clears throat> it's the same incidents that happened when uh, Carlos Sainz got fined uh, in Monza again, where it was like yellow flagged and he got penalized for passing under yellow flags. Where, But it was like, it just happened to happen right as he's basically in that, in that turn and in that moment. And we're asking these F1 drivers like Gasly is supposed to be able to react on hyper millisecond red. This should have been communicated up to that point. We have 12 turns between when he left the pit lane, when he's catching the back of the pack and that normal procedural. And I mean, how much are we asking and putting on the drivers versus a staff of people with all these computers? There needs to be better communication. I think it's on the FIA and that, and, and this isn't a normal thing. This comes up again later in the race. It's just nuts. Also, uh, just just to make a compare, you made a comparison about the tractor being out at Monza for Danny Rick's incident. The difference there was uh, the tractor was right was right. The car and the tractor were right there, and so like all it had to do was run on like maybe a hundred meters, fifty meters on the track, collect it, and then back up. Whereas in Suzuka. He the tractor had to go out, collect it, uh, then go onto the track for a little bit more distance. I think it was you know 300, 400 meters to the next, um, you know, turn in off track. So 
there is a lot of difference there. It's just track track specific, it I would say. Is. So yeah. like, it's just differences. It's also visibility issues. I, I think for me, it's on it's on the FAA here. They Should have been out there regardless. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, just and start on wets. Let's use those wet tires. After a long, so, I mean, period, we did get the racing. We though. did, yes. So after a long period of me trying to not fall asleep uh, to rain sounds and commentators waiting for a race to begin again, <laughs> <laughs> we eventually start under a rolling start on wet tires, uh, which turned out to be fairly good racing uh, for quite the like thirty minutes of racing that we did actually get. Um, thoughts yeah. on that? It was, it was great. Uh, I think, uh, Mick, Mick, uh, leading his first race, yeah. I think for a few laps, that was great. Oh. He, he showed yeah. out, he showed out, uh, for Haas, I think in the wet big time more than, than I ever expected from him, especially considering his mess up in FP1. So sure. let's hope it, what, what, let's talk about, how did he end up? Yeah. Let's talk about it. All right. <laughs> He Thank ended you, John. Up finishing seventeenth. Thank you, John. Okay, so basically, uh, we talk about again how worthless the wets are, because almost immediately we got off the wets and onto the inners. There are two teams that decided not to do that: Alpine with Alonso and Mick Schumacher. So Mick Schumacher stayed out there on wets, hoping that the track would get worse because it was possibly going to start raining again. And they were hoping for a safety car or somebody to crash while on enters so they could get a free pit stop. It didn't check out. Mick stuck with it much longer than he should have. Alonzo said, nah, dog, and switched eventually and then fought his way back to uh, P7 Seven. or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah, Seven. maybe I was watching a different race, but I thought Mick was doing pretty good out there. Yeah. So I mean, he wet, finished 17th. He was. He was. And then he finished 17th. Because everybody in the inners well, yeah. was so much faster than him. I, it was insane. Um, and so he was leading temporarily because essentially everybody else had uh, and read it. He, he led the race for like not even he like in the checkered flag to the turn one is where he led the race. And then Max overtook him on intermediates. But it's still a great screen cap. I have it on the discord, our zero lift discord. You can <clears throat> see I, I love F1 memes. I'll post them all day. Um, so it was kind of interesting. The intermediate racing was great. Max just completely dominated. There was some good uh, racing between Lewis and Ocon. Uh, quite nice there, I think, uh, to see them. So you got Alonso being screwed over by Alpine. Ocon's doing pretty decent with it. He's going to have a future teammate, Pierre Gasly, all French squad. So that should be pretty cool hey, as well. Can, can I just take a pause here? Because uh, speaking of Fernando Alonso and Pierre Gasly, sorry. Um, with, with Gasly going out to Alpine next year, I noticed a very quick turnaround in the way AlphaTauri and Red Bull are treating him now. And mm. it's very, very obvious. Like they gave him the, the crap strategy. They messed up his brake situation or didn't fix it. You know, for qualifying, the, his whole weekend was trash. And like he was not happy the whole thing. And then for the tractor thing to happen during the race, Pierre Gasly was just not. Oh, I'm sure. Not having a good weekend. Um, yeah. But he also, had a good year. For, yeah. But also Fernando, I just want to. This is not not in reference directly to the race, but like Alpine just re released uh, the new A110R, which uh, you know, call back to our last episode, is sort of a GT4 car racer that they they've come out with. Um, and moreover, so they they released a Fernando Alonso edition of the A110R, um, and they revealed it this week uh, to the run up to the Japanese Grand Prix in Japan. And Fernando Alonso didn't show up to any of the press release or any of the the events or nothing. He was nowhere to be seen for the release of his own car that Alpine had made and put his name on. They sent Alcon out there instead. And I just thought it was something, something to be noted. It's hilarious in my eyes. Fernando Alonso his favorite band is the prodigy because he is the fire starter <laughs> every single bridge that he comes across I'm like i mean you can, can, can you just it made you a car just go to the launch of your car i know you're not going to race for him next year but like 
how I I just want to be there in like the locker room and they decide that his teammate does not have a car. He's going to go and launch <laughs> his car and he's not going to go like it's wild. Uh, well, that's like, poor I mean, maybe it's a callback yeah. to, to the fact that Fernando is a two time world champion with Renault and that is now Alpine. I understand that. So like go. You know? yeah so eh. so like you know like another team doesn't hate you so like they're at least like hey good luck on your new venture down the road but no every time alonzo leaves he's like oh by the way i banged your wife like that's what he does every time he goes somewhere else like yeah yeah i mean next is mclaren we'll see what happens there didn't he also mm-hmm. used to race for mclaren though he also used to oh. race for McLaren, and yeah. he burned that bridge. Yeah, he's back. He, like, so what is he doing? He, he burns burned, he these burned bridges the bridge before he crossed it out. Like, <laughs> but then how is he getting back across the bridge then here? Because he's a good racer. It's, he's doing I mean, something. He's doing something. I don't know. Maybe he has beer flavored nipples. I don't know. He's got something. He's got something. <laughs> he's got something. It's fantastic. He, he, he ended the race in seventh, so he, you know, he still pulled it out. Yeah, Vettel ended up, uh, even though he bumped him, ended up in sixth, so it was pretty good. And then we've got the fiasco. And they raced it to the line. That was a photo finish. Yeah. So, yeah, they were uh, they were one one hundredth apart. Yeah. Yeah, it was gorgeous. That's that's nice. That's racing. And that is racing. Now the end here was a complete shit show in two ways. Um, I yeah, I'm just I can't. It makes me so upset. So. John had mentioned what? earlier. John had mentioned earlier how coming out of the last turn into the casino triangle. So as you're coming down out of uh, one thirty, you have to brake really hard and shift aggressively. Charles Leclerc overcooked his brakes, went across the curb, cut the track, <clears throat> and got in front of who was right on his ass, the Minister of Defense, the greatest teammate of all time, Checo. Okay. Right. And it was a obvious, if you watch racing at all, aka non-Lewis Hamilton fans, if you watch racing at all, exceeded track limits, needs to give the position back. The thing is, as we talked sure. about before, this is a super short run-up from that turn to the line. Well, as they're crossing the line, the checkered flag is being, is being waved and the race is over. So he doesn't have time to give the position back and kind of refight through the back half of the race because McClure could have given it back to Checo. They would have gone on a T1, had the whole lap to kind of fight it out, and it would have been probably pretty cool. And so Max wins the race, but because of this position shift, Max Verstappen is a world champion, folks. But once again, it's under some shifty FIA bullshit to the degree that it's just, it's insane. And what's the, hold on. What's the rub? So the, I don't want. Yeah. I have no rubs because Max Verstappen is going to be the world champion regardless. He he is, and we have former races. He would have won regardless. The rub for me is the fact that there are people complaining about how instantaneous giving this infraction to Leclerc was. It was like pretty much right away, like nope, he crossed limits. Get, already, we're going to give the position to you know P three goes to Leclerc, P two goes to Checo. People have been complaining about how long it took in Singapore for Checo to get the five-second penalty after the safety car incident. It took the whole race. I had to wait after the race to figure out if he had won or not. Okay. You That's then... two different situations. Yep. Well, I what's the, well, hold on. What is... He grinds your gears about it. I'm Because people on the internet don't see it as two different instances. They're referencing the other one last time, last week to reference this one, how the FAI is in favor of Red Bull, and they quickly admonished this five se- the, the penalty to Leclerc, but they didn't quickly give one to Checo, and the Red Bull's paying off FIA. It grinds my gears that people okay, are on. so ignorant the, to actual racing. The argument, on, the argument is, the argument is, because I don't think we've stated this clearly. Sure argument is that Leclerc was ahead and had he taken the corner the right way would have stayed ahead. And so him going through the corner didn't actually change the outcome of the race in any material way. It did, That's though. the debate. The race, no. The, but the points, yes. So Max won the race regardless because we're, we're talking about P2 and P3. He's arguing that. Nobody's arguing that. Correct. 
But the difference of Checo getting P2 and Leclerc getting P2 is enough points to secure Max Verstappen the championship. And so what happens after the race is every single team, if you listen to all of the radio calls from all of the drivers after the race, every single driver is, and this goes back to the FAA, not communicating. Every single driver mentioned something about the fact that they thought had one more lap. The teams, based off their timing, thought they had one more lap. Everybody thought they had one more lap, and they just chucked the checkered flag. The FAA didn't communicate to literally any of the team through radio communications, this is the last lap yeah, that's, or anything. Yeah, that's horseshit. Every I was not aware of that. That's the part that upsets me. So not only do you have this— I yeah, know that's horseshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so as Checo and Leclerc are coming up, right— that's it race over so leclerc has to give the point back we already know that yep okay that was an illegal overtake so he has to give the position back they thought they had one more lap to race so it's over you have alonzo and vettel with that the the finish we just talked about them both on radio calls being wait the race is over people are still driving like the race is still on what's going on lewis hamilton same deal is the race still on checkered flag what every single driver had no idea this race was going to end that is insane to me so so yeah. something <laughs> yeah the combination valid, of, the, of, some... the, of the of the of the the quickly giving leclerc the thing then that then leads to max verstappen basically coming out hey you're the winner they're talking to leclerc and then they're talking to checo and then they go wait hold on a second and they bring max back up and max learns he's the champion from the guy asking the questions at the end of the race then they're back in the in the podcast room where Max Verstappen holds his podcast with every <laughs> racer throughout the week. And there's a door you can see that says reserved for the world champion. Jensen Button comes out and is like, yeah, you're the world champion. And Max is like, am I the world champion? I don't know. I, what is happening right now? And then the, he goes in this room and it's like a pink, big, fluffy chair, super Japanese, with a t- with TV on the walls. <laughs> it's a fucking crown. And, he, and he's sitting there. It's crown. And he's sitting there and he's chilling. And he's like, why am I even – this is so awkward and weird. I feel kind of – he even says, like, I'm lonely and walks walks back out into the podcast room. It was just, it, it was just <laughs> so whack. And then, like – you know, he receives all the stuff, and then at the ceremony, and Jensen Button comes out and says, you're the world champion. Everybody's hype afterwards. But it's just so whack, and it's it leaves all this, like, all these Lewis fam- fans are complaining about the – they purposely did, they purposely gave Leclerc the penalty so that they could give Honda the world championship in Japan and all of this nonsense. So you have all that plus what? the checkered flag bullshit, and it's just like – and then last year with Massa and the FIA, and I'm just as a Max fan, okay. I just want as little flack from Lulu non-F1 watching fans on the internet. That's hold, on. Okay. hold on, okay, there's hold my on. rant. Hold I told you it was coming. You guys deliberate. Talks amongst you. Can, I, can I say something really quick yes. here? First of all, I think it's very safe to say that undisputably Max Verstappen is world champion. Yes, of F1 I would like to in the con- year. I would like to congratulate Max Verstappen on his first F1 world championship. Oh no, I'm that's <laughs> it. I'm fine to Saudi to whoop your ass right now, dude. Good job, buddy. <laughs> Don't you do that? Um, I just I'm coming down from my hype up. Don't get me back up. <laughs> two, two, and I did some research due to last week uh, when I heard Crofty mention something about the rules uh, concerning timed. When it when it goes when the race goes right. to time, right? Okay, and so the as the regulation states, when a race goes to full time, that's three hours from the start of the race, which is what is also up in in discussion is why they started the race when they could have seen on the radar that there was going to be heavy rain, but you know whatever that's you know court, armchair quarterbacking. The what the regulation states is when you go to full time three hours uh, after. When the timer goes to zero, after the leader of the race crosses the start-finish line, then there is one more lap to be completed, and that is the final lap. That is what happened in Singapore. That is what happened in in Suzuka this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And so I could say, or you, you could argue, that you know, as the regulation states, the FIA and the race director did what was stated in the rules and regulations and the teams should have known that now what is communicated on track through the team's radio call the fia I'm not sure i don't know if the teams have a timer you know to when uh the race is over if it's time that they should i would imagine so um but maybe clear, there dude. should be one on on the on the on the board on the track and so the drivers know as well yeah 
Not sure. So, so look, so did they do what they were supposed to do by the regulations? Yes. However, we are also talking about debatably one of the biggest sporting events in the world, mm. multi-billion dollar enterprise. All can't say white flag, white flag, last lap has started. Right, right, right. It's just, true. All can't you're, say you're, that. You're, you're right. Now, what's great too, guys, <laughs> you have a white what's great too, that. here's the other thing. Here's the other reason why why Max was so confused. Everybody's confused because he wasn't sure how many points were going to be awarded for this race, and because of the last rainout we had in 2021 in the other top three easily circuit Spa and the point five points and all that stuff, they changed the way that points were are awarded for these particular types of races. So there was mm-hmm. double confusion on rules. And I love this sport, but dude, we cannot be arguing lawyer bullshit on live broadcasting and have entertainment. Fucking, it's just dumb. It's That's what upsets me the most about this is of this win is that it's so anticlimactic. There's no like, Max Verstappen, you're the world champ. N- n- none of it. You know what I mean? Nothing like in Abu Dhabi where uh, Max clearly beat Lewis Hamilton because he was smart and decided to pit for new tires. He, but, he definitely beat him. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's it's because he's dominated all all season. So yeah, it is right. kind of anti. It was always going to be, you could say. I think so. Now, can I still? I circle back real quick to the Leclerc blow in the corner fiasco. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, the argument that Leclerc should have been second was that he had position, wouldn't have lost position, and didn't actually gain any advantage and change places and. Sh- um, my argument is he. My argument is he exceeded track limits, and if this was Monaco, he would have DNF'd that corner. Yeah. Um, so I think giving him a five-second penalty and he finished third is entirely reasonable. Yeah. If you watch the way he just, took that, it was totally like whoa. Like imagine, think about this for a second. Imagine if that argument held water. Like, hey, he didn't uh, didn't appreciably gain or lose any position, so it's okay for him to blow the corner. You could just have the entire grid just blow that corner as long as it didn't pass anybody. Right. <laughs> right. So then that what's the purpose make, of that corner, right? And that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I think the penalty for the clerics justified. Axis champ. For any- good effort this year for real. Like, the guy's eight max, beast. but no shade. The like, max beast. killed it. Max assassinated the season. For anybody on the on the internet, to be comparing the Checo incident in Singapore to this and like how quickly the FIA made their decision. Like, as John just said and mentioned, like he blew the corner, duh, that's the easiest right. solution. Way easier Whereas Checo uh, was called up to the stewards and, and the race director's office and they had a chat about it, right? And after the chat, they made the decision. So like maybe it was just like, hey, Checo, were you more than... 10, 10 paces out, like, you know, yeah. it, that's a little bit more clear. Like, totally here is where you were more than, you know, 10 car lanes past the safety car. Right. Oh, shit. There you are. And that is why we're giving you this five second penalty after this conversation. Not like a, hey, Leclerc, did you blow that turn? Yeah, yeah I did. Clearly. And it's, and it's that obvious, clearly. Um, and you could almost say that he did gain an advantage because you blew a turn, your opponent didn't, and you come back on the track with no consequence to, to, Exceeding track limits, as John said, duh, yeah, you're going to get something. So I, I, I got one more thing to say on Japan. Um, well, guys, he's going to be leaving this season, but uh, Go Tifi picked up two points. Thank God. <laughs> At least something. He leaves with something. The Go Tifi got two points. Didn't uh, crash. He got didn't points. crash. He got some points somehow before he's retiring forever. Never race another race car again with Tifi. Jesus. Uh, but you guys, uh, we're gonna be racing race cars. We're gonna be doing Coda for the next two weeks before that race. You can come join us on our Discord at Zero Left Podcast. You can also hit us up on our Instagram and Twitter at Zero Left Podcast. Come join us. We'd like to put lap times down. Maybe you're faster than Lenny. You're probably faster than John. Um, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, even even I, Jen's faster than Jen. Yeah, so Jen Jen did pick I, up P three this this week at uh, Japan. So good on her. Yeah. I want I want y'all to run some code laps and give me an idea where your times are, All right. so I can make sure that like we're on different sims, different yeah. cars, make yeah. sure everything's copacetic. Um, I I did a I did eleven laps yesterday, and I was putting down one forties. 
four zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, well, I'll I'll put it about ten laps down, see where I kind of ballpark start sitting, and then once Lenny and I start challenging each other and battling, we push each other, buddy. But we hit our limits, and that's all right with me. Well, speaking of uh, limits, these cars we're about to do for a uh, race scrap daily are uh, at the limit of size you can have in Japan and still get a tax break. That's right. They are key cars. <laughs> yep. K cars. K cars. Not key cars. Why do I keep saying K-cars. is it K E I? K E I. Yeah, it's key. Isn't it? K. So Japanese is a difficult language, but Hi. is a perfectly phonetic language. Yes. Am I just mixing mm-hmm. up the am I messing up the, the hiragami then that I'm pronouncing? Which it's, one? It's K E. It's just K E. Oh, it's the K and the E. Oh, it's the two. Okay, yeah. got it. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. That's why I'm saying uh, So, for those of you that don't know, a K car in Japan is a car that is limited to 666 cc's. They are usually inline threes. The devil's And, number. uh, yeah, that's right. They're super metal, and, uh, they are created to be, you get a significant tax break having these tiny little economical cars. And of course, the 90s tuner car fashion back in the day, there were a bunch of K cars that were built that were like hot rods. Uh, I don't know. From I think most people that are car guys that go to Japan, these cars have a soft place in their heart. I love them. How would you not love them? So, they're so, so great. They're, I, they weigh like 1,500 pounds uh, max. And I, they don't I, make a ton of horsepower, but they don't need to. They, this is like kind of and it's super easy to work on. Drivetrain usually super easy to work on. I'm a super cheap, easy to work on. I'm a hot hatch guy, public. and then I'm a K car guy. The more I research these things, I just I love them. They're amazing. Right. And, so anyway, and the turbo versions. Baby. There's turbo versions. Mm, yes, sure. three cylinder turbos. Awesome. Two of the three cars we're going to talk about today are turboed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I scrap daily. It's our version, our automotive version of uh, Bang Mary Kill. So we're gonna pick a car that we want to get rid of, a car we want to drive on a track for a weekend, and a car we would bring home to mom. Three cars in question: Honda Beat, AutoZam, which was a side company for Mazda AZ1, and the Suzuki Cappuccino. How can you not like a car with a name like Cappuccino? I just, just want to give it a. That hug. is so biased for you. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Screams right. class. I know. Yeah. If this guy doesn't I drive know, the cappuccino three... home, then he's totally. He's like, I love you, but I'm. I mean, they're all... you. look. I, I just want to say, all three of these cars, I adore. But okay. I gotta pick a favorite and a least favorite. You starting it off, Johnny? Let's go. Sure, I can start it off. So right. Look, uh, I would have to get rid of the Honda Beat. Oh yeah. Um, Do that. Beat mm. is the only one of the trio that doesn't have a turbo. It does make the same amount of power as the other two in stock form. Uh, it revs a little bit higher. So the engine's kind of, it's kind of a gym, but um, it just, the styling doesn't speak to me as much. Um, and it didn't as much buy-in from enthusiast circles as the other two. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just doesn't do as much for me. I would race Suzuki Cappuccino. Um, the Cappuccino is like, it's like, if you drive a Mazda Miata or, you know, an MX-5 compared to a normal car and, like, how it feels, do that again compared to the Miata, and that's what a cappuccino feels like. Um, it's like it's like a miniature Miata, and a Miata's already a miniature car. Um, it's two-seat Roadster. It's got, the, it's got a turbocharged 666. Now, Suzuki had the best program as far as aftermarket upgrades and stuff. And back in the day, you could buy a turbo kit to put this thing over hundred horsepower. Ooh, I'm the manufacturer. Yeah. They're super rad. Um, so they're fun. They're cool. But that leads me to a car that just, I mean, just has me by the nards. And that is of course, the AutoZam AZ1. This car is rad. It is super early. Very. It is gnarly, gnarly. Um, the Mazda Speed version kind of looks like a Hot Wheels F40. Um, it's got <coughs> it's got scissor like gullwing doors, um, straight up vertical, uh, mid engine, turbo three cylinder. I mean, it looks like a spaceship even today. It's just rad. It's it's gorgeous. It's weird. Yeah, I I just 
it's a uh, it's on a different planet as far as car design goes. So that's the one I'd have to bring home to mom. Yeah. Those are my picks. I dig it. Okay. <laughs> I dig it. Brian, what you got? Well, let's see here. Um, I think, man, I think I might scrap the uh, Suzuki. I do not want to drive around in a car named a Cappuccino. I just, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, what? That's uh, elegant as hell, man. I just, yeah, uh, nah, man. Get out, bro. That's not me, bro. No. I, and like, just looking at it, you know how I do with looks. Um, it's okay. I think the others are different. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to race the Honda Beat. Um, because of the fact that, like, to me, I'm looking at this car and it is like the. Dating wise, it's actually before the 2000, but it, the way you're describing it to me and the engine revving and just normal, typical Honda stuff, like I just feel like this car around a tra- racetrack is just going to be silly and just like maxed out revs the whole, like just the whole time. Like, and that it just, it sounds exciting to me where I would just not care about completely blowing up this engine and just completely beat it, beat it up around a racetrack. Um, <laughs> so I definitely would take the Honda beat. And also apparently the, in 92, the Beat version F features an Aztec green pearl colorway and alloy wheels. I want that. There's also a version C that has a, a blue pearl color with white alloy wheels. I just, ooh, and then there's a Everglade green metallic cover and then three black gate. Anyway, so I don't know. It just sounds like a type of car you I'd should, like. You should look up the Mugen, the Mugen Beat. Yeah. The I, Mugen Beat is sick. I, uh, for me, I think that this is definitely in the, the category of those silly Honda cars that nobody thinks about that are really cool, uh, such as like the S2000, things like that. Um, yeah, so I want to race that, and I just want to trash the shit out of it. I don't think – I've got other nice Hondas in my garage. This one for me is more a race, beat the shit out of it. It was a fun day sort of type. Uh, but I also agree with John. The AZ1, I – what? The front end looks like a Testarossa to me, not a Testarossa, not a Tessarossa. Tessarossa. Yeah, cappuccinos and Tessarossas over here. Testarossas. and I can't say things properly. Um, so Midwestern. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just a little bit. Uh, so, <laughs> but like, it's got gold wing doors on this type of car. That's just ridiculous. Why would you not want this in your garage? Um, it also has, it's the other reason I decided to, to scrap the Suzuki is because it has uh, the Suzuki engine anyways. So like, all right, I guess that works for me. Um, yep. You know, so it works. Suzuki engine's rad. Yeah. It's a red, red little thing. I'm going to rock that all day. Lenny, how about you? Uh, Man, you know, this is actually pretty tough for me. So I've driven all three of these cars, uh, the Cappuccino and the AZ1, a little bit more than uh, a Beat. Um, but the one time I did drive a Beat, it was on a Toge. So I, I kind of drove it at the limit. So I could, you know, the I could attest that the engine is very <laughs> ready, very nice. Um, it, but that being said, I think I like the suzuki three-cylinder turbo engine a little bit better so i'm gonna okay, okay. scrap the beat um just just due to to that fact and i'm gonna race the cappuccino because i've always been curious about a cappuccino on the track if it's really a good car comparatively huh. speaking to you know the az1 or um the beat I, i've never driven the cappuccino the cap for short, as they call it as well. Oh, that's way um, super cool and chic. Right? <laughs> the Suzuki cap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think, it, I think you know, set up properly, it'd be really nice uh, on a shorter course. So, like, I'm, th- I'm thinking Scuba 1000 or the Fuji Shore course. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know it's super Japan-specific tracks, but, you know, that's probably where it shines the best. I would imagine um, so. Then I'm dealing as well as the AZ1. Uh, this one, I've had a, I've, <laughs> I've had a, a few runs run-ins with, with this AZ1 or, or a few AZ1s of different spec, the general spec, but I think the most impressive one I, I've I had, I in the days where I, I was sourcing and importing, exporting cars in Japan, I found a customer of mine, an M2-1025 Mazda Speed. Oh, 15, sorry, 1015. This has got some crazy number to it. Anyway, it's really rare. It's only 25 and made. It's a special collab between 
this aftermarket company and Mazda Suzuki, uh, who collabed on the AZ1. If you didn't know, now you know. But anyway, I, I found it and I drove it around and it's like a go-kart on wheels, man. It's just so cool and it's so nice to drive on the street uh, with just the amount of power. And I would love to daily it. Love it. Sounds amazing. All right. So we all agree that the AutoZam AZ1 is the coolest car. Yeah. So uh, the Suzuki yeah, it's, it's engine the in the Mazda That's... car won on the episode in which we talked about the Suzuka GP. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. Well, that's been another episode of Zero Left Podcast. You guys can find uh, us throughout the week at our Instagram and Twitters at Zero Left Podcast, or come join our Discord, uh, where there's lots of F1 memes and probably pictures of these cars. We also discuss things like um, the Speedway. What's that thing you do? Uh, Midnight Club. That's the one. Uh, Wangan. Wangan. The Wangan. Yeah, you know. Don't ask the non. I'm the car noob here. Lenny and John, they're the experts. Uh, I'm just here also to have a good time. GTR, are we got our GTR Central channel? There it is. Uh, we got some parts channels. Maybe I'm gonna make up. We'll see. Yeah. So if you want some cool. more car enthusiasm, uh, Lenny and John, your guys, you want to talk F1? Uh, we'll do that all day. I'll find the memes and be glad to talk about it. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Keep it pinned. <laughs>